missed last week, I want to encourage you to go back and um, watch that on YouTube. We talked last week just quickly about what happens the second a Christian dies. And we looked at, uh, you know, do, is there a such thing as soul sleep? Is there such thing as purgatory? Um, what does that look like for a Christian? Do they have a body immediately? And I want to encourage you, if you did miss last week, to go back there and, and to watch that. But this morning we're going to be in John chapter number 14 as we continue this series on One Second After. I want to talk today about a prepared place. Look at John chapter 14 and let's read down through verse number 6. Verse number 1, John chapter number 14. The Word of God says this, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whither I go ye know, and the way ye know. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Verse number 6, And Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, and truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The Lord here is preparing his disciples for his departure. He is encouraging them in this passage. He tells them that he's going to a place. He's preparing a place. A place that one day they will be. And uh, I believe that we'll be there one day. And I'm thankful for that. It's the hope we have this morning. Heaven, a prepared place. In this place, the text says that there's many mansions. And this carries the idea here of uh, many glorified places. He's going to prepare a glorious dwelling place. Place, a place that is being prepared. Uh, an idea here is, is he's preparing like a you would prepare for a guest to come to your house. He's getting it ready. He's preparing for someone else out of love to get there. When it comes to a place called heaven, there believe, there's a lot of myths and there's a lot of truths. And next week, we're going to specifically look at the myths concerning heaven. Some things that uh, we've probably heard that may not be true. But this morning, I want to simply look at what we do know about heaven. What does the Bible say about it? Now, it doesn't say a whole lot about it, but it does say some about it. It doesn't tell us everything about it, but it does tell us a lot about it. This is a beautiful place. Many have imagined it. Many have sung about it. No doubt have taught about it. The hope that we have as believers this morning is the fact that we have eternal life. That's what we believe. If we believe in Him, we have eternal life. So what does that look like for the Christian? 1 Thessalonians chapter number 4 verses 13 through 18 says this, but I would, have, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And this is what he says. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. 
Now there's a lot of debate over, you know, when does, when does all this happen? And we're not here to debate this this morning. But what we do know is it is going to happen. There is a place of eternity. We are going to spend eternity with our Lord and Savior. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to turn to Revelation chapter number 21. We're going to be in Revelation 21 and 22 here um, for a few minutes this morning. I just want to show you what we see here. And uh, most would believe that the passages we're going to believe are after the millennium, after the millennial reign. And, uh, but this is those eternal place of heaven, that new heaven and that new earth um, that we're going to spend eternity in. And next week we're even going to talk about is heaven going to be boring? What are we going to be doing there? What does it look like? Uh, some of us are, think we're just going to be there singing, you know, in white robes for all of eternity. But what does heaven, what does this new heaven and this new earth really look like? Look at Revelation chapter 21 and let's look at verse number 1. We're going to see what God allowed John to have a glimpse into. Look at Revelation 21 and look at verse number 1. The Word of God says this, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. Notice these words, there was no more sea. And I saw, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Here we, we see a new heaven and a new earth. And the prophets had spoken much about this place. One I'll read to you just real quickly. Isaiah in Isaiah 67 says this, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. The former shall not be remembered nor come into mind. But ye be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. Second Peter, Peter spoke about this in verse chapter number 3. Looking for and hasting unto the coming day of God. Wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall met with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth the righteousness. Here it says that there's a new heaven and there's a new earth and there's a new Jerusalem. It says that there's no more sea. Now that was interesting to me. Why would that be significant that there's no more sea? Because who really cares, right? What does that have to do with? Well, in the Jewish mind, the sea was a place of separation or evil. So what he's communicating to them is this. Listen, this new heaven and new earth, and aren't you thankful for this? There's no more evil. There's no more sin. That's the hope that we have this morning. Revelation chapter 21, look at verse number 18. And stay with me this morning because I promise we'll make this practical for us. I just want to show you what the Bible says. And the building of the wall of it was jasper. And the city was like pure gold, like unto clear glass. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manners of precious stone. It goes through here and lists these. The foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, uh, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardis, the seventh crystallite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoparis, the eleventh jacksink, the twelfth amethyst, and the twelve gates. This is awesome. Look at this. Were twelve pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl, and the street of the city was pure gold, as it were transparent glass. Our minds this morning cannot fully grasp the beauty of this place. This is why our minds are sinful. 
We only know a fallen world. We don't know what it's like to look, uh, look at life from a perfect perspective. So we can't even this morning begin to grasp it. Y'all understand that this morning. That's why when we think of eternity and when we think of heaven, our human minds, our, our, our infinite minds, our finite minds here cannot grasp it because we have sin, we have flesh, we live under the curse. We cannot, listen, we cannot comprehend the purity and the beauty of this place. Look at chapter 22, verse number 1. Revelation 22, look at verse number 1. And he showed me a pure, witter, a pure river of the water of life, clear as crystal. And this is awesome. Proceeding out of the throne of God, of the Lamb, in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life? And you've heard me talk about this before. Which bear twelve manner fruits and yield her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. This river comes from the throne room of God. It's man, And I think of this, this river flowing from God. Man, that water of life. And I, I thought of this, a place where we will thirst no more. Man, this tree of life, a place of the restoration of all things. What a beautiful place that heaven must be. Look at verse number 3. This is awesome. If you write in your Bible, this is one to highlight because this is where everything will change one day. Look at this. Revelation 22, 3. And there shall be no more curse. Now understand, this is one, that's one of the greatest phrases we read in Scripture because this is why. Ever since Genesis chapter number 3 and the fall of man, we have lived in a curse world. Let me read this out of Genesis chapter 3, verse number 16. Talking about the fall of man. I don't mean to bore you with the Bible this morning, but this is very important for us to understand. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow in thy conception. So this is the curse that happened after the fall of man. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall to be thy husband. He shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shall thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat of the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou returned unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken. For, that, for dust thou art, and dust thou shalt return. Listen, the curse brought decay. We talked about that last week. When that fall happened, the curse brought decay. Man, not only on the ground and in this world, but it brought decay on our bodies. Listen, when this happens in, Gen in, in Revelation chapter 21 and 22, the world and heaven is going to be brought back to that pre-fallen state. God is redeeming all things to Himself. That's awesome! We're going to live like they lived before the fall of man. A perfect world. And something that's cool to think about is this. Adam and Eve, they were in the garden living life. They weren't just standing around like a bunch. Is everybody tracking me this morning? No. They were in a literal place, in a little garden, in a perfect place. That's awesome. No more sin. None of that stuff was there before the fall. What God's going to do is He's not only going to redeem us, but He's going to redeem this world world. The curse that brought both decay of the earth and decay of the body. God will redeem this world back to a pre-sin pre-fall state in this new heaven and this new earth. Look at verse number 4, 21. Chapter 21, verse 4. And I love this. You've heard me preach on this often. But God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, 
neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more, more pain. Look at this. For the former things are passed away. The first thing that he says in this verse, and I believe this, this is awesome, there's going to be no more tears. They're going to be wiped away. Now think about the tears that you've cried in your life. I mean, I've cried some tears. Anybody else? I mean, I've cried some tears because of sorrow. I mean, I've cried some tears because of disappointment. I've cried some tears because of heartbreak and betrayal. Anybody else? I mean, I've cried some tears because of loss. I've cried some tears over my own sin. You know what the Word says here? That God's going to wipe away all those tears. Now, there's going to be some tears. You ever heard there's no tears in heaven? Well, if there's no tears, how's He going to wipe them away? There's going to be some. And I don't know necessarily what they're going to be, but I'm thankful that He's going to step out with that holy handkerchief and He's going to wipe away every tear that we've ever cried. Man, that's awesome. Some of us have spent life of sorrow. Man, some of us have spent life of pain. Man, life of heartbreak and a life of hurt. And God's going to wipe away all those tears. Notice the second thing that he says in verse number 4. Not only will he wipe away the tears from their eyes, but there shall be no more death. Man, I stood yesterday in front of a casket yesterday, 11 o'clock yesterday morning. I stood there as a good man, a faithful man. man. A man that loved the Lord, loved his family, loved his wife. And I'm thankful that as we looked at last week, to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. But you know, when we get to, when we get to this place, that new heaven and that new earth, aren't y'all thankful that the Word of God, this is the hope that we have, tells us that there's no more death? Man, that curse has been lifted. There's no more death. There's no more funerals. Jeremy's going to be out without a job. Somebody help me this morning. I can't wait for that day. I hate funerals. Now, you know, we hate, we hate them on this, this side, but I, as I told him yesterday, Wayne wouldn't come back here if he could because he's already experienced being in the presence of the Lord. But there's coming a day when there really is no more death, no more graves. I've quoted it this often. No grave digger's shovel has ever marred a hill in glory. Man, there's no wreaths of death on our mansion's door. There's no more separation. Man, aren't y'all thankful for that this morning? There's no more having to call uh, the florist, Melanie, to send flowers to that family that's lost their loved ones. Hey, there's no more visits and no more visitations and no more trying to uh, come up with the right words to say because this place, the curse has been lifted and there's no more death. Somebody better help me preach this morning. Man, I stood at a lot of gravesides and I stood at a lot of funerals and I've seen a lot of people weeping and a lot of people hurting. I'm thankful to report to you that there's coming a day where there'll be no more death. Not only no more death, but look what he mentions again in this same verse. Man, no more. So he says, and God shall wipe away all the tears from their eyes. He wipes it away. There shall be no more death. And then he, he restates this again. Neither sorrow nor crying. Man, no more sadness. No more grief. Thought about this. Sorrow carries the idea of maybe depression or anxiety. Man, no more worry. Anybody else get tired of worrying? We live in a world, and man, I'm guilty of this so often, where we just think and worry. Man, we're just people that are worried. Man, worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. Worry about what's going to happen in this relationship. Worried about our kids. Anybody else ever worry about your kids living in this world? 
Man, that sorrow that comes from the disappointments of this life and of this world, God is telling us here that there's going to be no more of that. There's no more worry. Hey, there's no more waiting up, worrying where your kids are. Hey, there's no more, there's no more sorrow because of loss. There's no more crying. Man, that's awesome to think about. And I hope that's real to you. That's the hope that we have this morning. No more depression. Maybe you're here this morning and you struggle with it. You don't have to struggle with it then. That anxiety... Man, that where you feel like something's sitting on your chest and you feel like, man, I just can't take this anymore. You don't have to, you're not going to have to experience that. No more of that. That's good news for us. No more crying. No more sorrow. And then look at, look at the last one. And I like this one too. These kind of sums it all up here. Look what he says. No more what? Pain. Man, I know people that live when it comes to physical pain, chronic pain every single day of their lives. And I was sitting with my friend Mike Buller this week. Mike's got a rod running up his spine and he's had tumors re- eating his vertebrae away and every move he makes, there is pain. There's not enough pain medicine at this point in this world to make him feel any better. And I'm thankful that I can sit by him and comfort him with these words. Mike, you're not going to have to feel that pain one day. Some of you fight chronic pain every day physically. Man, in that place, that perfect place, you're not going to have to fight it anymore. How about not only physical pain, but I think of this, mental pain. Man, many of us in here this morning, our my own minds can be our own worst enemy, if you're like me. It's one of the things I've struggled with. And you know what? Our minds can play tricks on us. Our mind can hurt us. That mental pain that you struggle with, can I just tell you there's come a day you don't have to struggle with it anymore. That mental pain, that physical pain. Man, that, 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 that thing where you just fight yourself all the time and you, you don't feel like doing anything. You don't feel like moving forward. Man, you don't feel like you're, you're good enough. You don't feel like you can make a difference in this world. That physical pain, that mental pain. What about that relational pain? Anybody ever have any of that? I've had some of it. Man, the relational pain because of disappointment. The relational pain because of divorce. The relational pain because of uh, separation. The relational pain because of betrayal. The relational pain. Man, I've had some. Man, no more. There's no more daddies walking out on their kids in heaven. Somebody help me this morning. There's no more orphans in heaven. Hey, there's no more uncared about people in heaven. There's no more homelessness. There's no more crisis mentally, which we're seeing in this world. There's no more uh, separation. There's no more anxiety. Listen, He's redeeming it. He's redeeming it. And that's the good news of the gospel this morning. No more, how about this one? No more pain spiritually. I mean, I, if you're like me, sometimes there's just spiritual pain that comes into our lives. We try to live for the Lord. Anybody ever been there? You just feel like you can't. Feel like you're not good enough. Man, I, I live there sometimes. Lord, I, I kind of like Paul in Romans 7. Man, we live under this law. We live in this sin-cursed world. But here's the good news. When we see Him, we shall be like Him. Why? Because we shall see Him as He is. Man, I can't wait for that day. Man, that glorified day, that glorification that's to come. No more death, no more sorrow and crying, no more pain physically, relationally, mentally, and spiritually. Look at verse 5 of chapter number 21. And he that sat upon the throne said, this is awesome, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are faithful and true. He sat up on the throne of God, and this is the one time we find God speaking directly from His throne. And you know what He says? I make all things 
new. Man, I'm redeeming this sin-cursed world. There's no longer a curse. It's broken. By the way, do you know what the curse has brought into this world? It's brought the tears. It's brought the sorrow. It's brought the pain. It's brought the cancer. It's brought the depression. It's brought the health issues. It's, is anybody awake in here? That's what it's brought. You know what God says? I'm going to make it all new and you don't have to deal with it anymore. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the hope that we have. The redemptive work of God is not just making us new, but listen to me, it's making all things new. Maybe say it this way. He's making everything that's wrong in this world right. Whether that's spiritually, whether that's physically, whether that's mentally, He's redeeming it all for His glory. This is the hope of the gospel in Jesus Christ, eternity with Him in a new heaven and a new earth. Let's go back to the first passage we read, John chapter 14. Look at it. John 14, look at verse 1. It's an awesome passage. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. And it doesn't stop there. Many times we stop there, but I like this. And whither I go, ye know, and the way you know. So we had this guy named Thomas that, if you know Thomas, what was he known as? Anybody remember? He was a doubter. That's how many of us are, right? He was a doubter. And he says, God, how, Jesus, having this conversation, Jesus, how can we know the way? And you know what? This is awesome. You know what Jesus says to him? Thomas, I've got the answer. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Here it is. No man comes to the Father but by me. But if you come by me, you will come to the Father, that where I am, ye may be also. Can I just say this? The only way this morning isn't, it's not about being religious. It's not about being a good person. Man, it's not about being a moral person. There's a lot of moral people that will spend eternity in hell. Y'all hear me this morning. It's not about giving money to the church, although we need you to give a little bit more. Somebody help me this morning. It's not about, listen, it's not about looking a certain way. It's not about any about, the only way that any of us will spend eternity in heaven is if we go through Jesus, that redemption that was paid for us, if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that He is who He says He is, if we put our faith and trust when He draws us to Him, that, listen, that place is prepared for us. And here's the good news. This is how this is practical for us. As believers, the first thing that we've got to understand is this is the hope that we have. Salvation, number one, this is, this is it. This is why we even need to talk about this. It brings peace to us. He, he says this in, in verse 1 here. Let not your what? Your heart. Is that talking about your physical heart? And that's where we get messed up sometimes. We teach everybody, ask Jesus into your heart. Show me that in the Bible. Sorry, I don't even want to go there. Is he talking about your physical heart this morning? No, it's talking about your inner man. 
Man, you want to have peace in your life. It only comes when you understand. Let not your heart be troubled. And what is he telling them? This, where we're living right now, y'all, it's just temporary. This world is not your home if you're a believer. We're just a passing through. Listen, we are pilgrims in this world. This is not the end for us. And some of us, if we're not careful, we get so used to this world and we love this world. We must understand this is just a little speck on the story of where we are headed. Let not your heart be troubled this morning. I just want to encourage you a little bit. Hey, what you're going through right now on this earth, listen, there's coming a day like we just read in the Scriptures where there's going to be, listen, you're not going to struggle with it anymore. It's a place of peace. And Can I just say this? You know you can have a little bit of heaven right here on earth. Hebrews chapter number 11 Verse number one, faith, listen, real faith is this. It's the, it's, the, it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. We need to be people that decide that we're living for another world, not just this world. This is nothing for us, y'all. We ain't seen nothing yet. Man, and I, I think about those that have gone on before us. They've already experienced it, man. They've already, they've already seen our Savior. They've already seen our King as we saw last week. And then one day at that second coming, when everything's made new, we're all going to experience that new Jerusalem and that perfect place, heaven and earth. And it's going to be awesome. That should give us peace here on this world. Listen, greater is He that is in me than he that is in the world. Listen, He has overcome the world already. And He sits on the right hand of the Father. And He says this, Let not your heart be troubled. If you believe in me, I'm coming again. That's the hope we have this morning. I mean, it should bring peace in our hearts. I mean, that's why, at, as believers, that's why our funerals, man, they're, they're, yes, they're a time of sorrow, but they're also a time of rejoicing. You could almost put it this way. It's a time of graduation from this terrible world into a perfect world. Salvation brings peace. Not only does salvation bring peace, but here it is. Salvation brings hope. Salvation brings hope. You know, as believers... Sometimes, and you've heard me talk a lot about this, sometimes as believers we can just be the most miserable people in the world. We can walk around like a bunch of doomsdayers. Like we have no hope. You know what separates us from the world this morning? It's not all these things that we don't do. You've heard me tell the story. I remember going to church camp and I hear when I was a kid and you hear all these sermons against all this stuff and we didn't want to be worldly so we didn't do it. You know what worldliness is? Worldliness is when you're living for this world instead of the next. And I'm afraid that a lot of Christians are still living for this world. Listen, we've got to be living for that next world. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay them up in heaven, man. Man, don't live for this world. Man, salvation brings hope. Do you have that hope this morning? You know, if you're saved in here this morning, we have no reason to be walking around. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. Think I'll eat some worms. Right? No. Some of us have such a poochy lips, we don't even need to, we don't even need to vacuum the floor because you walked in here this morning. You got all the lint off the carpet. No, as believers, what do we have? Even in the sorrow, even in the pain, even in this earth, even in the loss, you know what we have? We have a hope. And that hope is this, that He is going to make all things right in this world that are wrong. We have a hope. Not only do we have a hope of eternal life, but salvation brings redemption. This is awesome. He takes what was separated, and you know what He does with it? He reconciles it. God takes us what was separated in Genesis chapter number 3, and He reconciles it. Our souls 
redemption. Our body's redemption. This world's redemption. And here's the news. How does all this happen? It only happens one way, and Jesus answers it in this passage. I am, what? The way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The only way, listen, and I just want to talk to you here. The only way that any of us are okay, the only way that our friends, the only way that our families, the only way that our kids are going to spend eternity in that place, that new heaven and that new earth, is to answer this one question is, what have you done with Jesus? Has there been a time in your life, and I just want to ask you this this morning, has there been a time in your life where you personally put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ? Where you believed in your heart and you confessed with your mouth? Man, have you, have you ever done that? And I'm not saying have you ever repeated some prayer one day or went down an altar and filled out of a card, but have you really believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth, listen, and asked Him, God, forgive me of my sins. Lord, redeem me to my Savior. You see, I love the thought of heaven, but you know this. Can I just say this? Sometimes we think so much about heaven, we, think, we forget about what the biggest deal is. Yeah, the streets of gold are going to be nice. And yeah, seeing grandma is going to be nice. Man, I can't wait to see my dad. How many of you have lost loved, one, or loved ones that have already passed that you can't wait to see? I can't help but think about it this morning. Man, I can't help but think about that this morning. But you know bigger than all that who we're going to see? And you know why heaven's such a big deal? It's not, that's, that's why we've done a disservice to, to people when we say, you don't want to go to hell, do you? You want to go to heaven. It's not just about heaven. It's about a relationship being restored. It's about a redemption being paid. Okay? It's about that separation being taken care of. And we see our Savior. We see our King. I mean, we spend eternity, listen, perfectly renewed to how He intended it to be at the beginning with our Savior and our King. If you've never trusted Christ, I just want to tell you this. Don't go to hell from here. And we try to preach the gospel And we try to preach it clearly and accurately and carefully. And I want to encourage you after the service today, there'll be counselors up here. And the reason we do it that way is because we want to sit down with you, take a Bible, not show you what some man says or what some religion says, but we want to take a Bible and show you what what, what God says about how you can know that you know that you'll spend eternity in heaven. I mean, how you can have that, 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 that relationship reconciled, how you can have that peace how you can have that hope this morning. How you can have that joy. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's stand to our feet. The altar's open this morning. If you need a place to pray, I'm going to ask Matt to sing a song that I love so often. Uh, when, it, when, it, when we start thinking about heaven, he sang it yesterday at the funeral. And I want you to sing and I want you to worship with him as he sings Beulah Land this morning. Think about these words. If you need a place to pray, the altar's open this morning. The only way this morning is Jesus. Sing it, Matt. Come.